So welcome to the first of six classes taught by me. Um, I have spent, this is, Amanda keeps telling me, this is probably one of the um, classes I've prepared the most for. started in October. Um, just to give you some background on me, I love, I used to love reading, like just for fun. Um, for some reason, school sucked that out of me, and then um, <laughs> and then I kind of picked it back up, and then I laid it back down. So I think in 2022, just for fun books, I think I've read like two. Um, so to prepare for this class, I read four. So I, you know, quadrupled my output there. Um, but I've done a lot of reading since October, just kind of on evangelism in general, just to kind of get an idea. Um, I, the benefit of teaching first um, is I can stomp all over the classes that are like later. I can go all the way into their, their material and teach it and come back up and all that, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I promise. I've been in that situation of being the one that got stomped all over. Um, I'm going to try to keep this at a high level. Um, I'm going to try to keep, I'm going to dive down. We're going to get into scripture most definitely, um, but I'm going to um, try not to, looking at the, just the topics, I'm going to try to stay away from as much as those topics as possible. So for example, um, the next class coming up, um, I think it's either Dave or one of the Davids, it's either Roper or Roberts, I um, was going to teach a class on um, how to teach the gospel, right? So obviously as a, in evangelism, one of the goals is to teach them the gospel, right? I'm not going to teach you guys what I've learned about how, you know, ways to teach the gospel. I want to wait for that next class to do that for us. So that way it's a little bit uh, less redundant for all of us. Um, so with that said, um, a lot of different books I've read. Um, I have them here mainly for my uh, training wheels, just in case I forget. But uh, Stafford North, which I think we're all very familiar with, um, Evangelizing Your Communities, one. And actually, we're going to use this as our guide. We'll get more into that here in just a little bit about how I framed out the class. Um, Everyday Evangelism by Randy uh, Becton um, is a really good one. Uh, Jack gave me this one to read through, and I'm debating on uh, maybe follow-on classes, and, um, but it's called Lifestyle Evangelism. A little bit more deeper into the theory on it, um, maybe less scriptural, but it is very, um, it makes you think. Um, we'll just put it that way, but um, a lot of practicality in this one as well. And then I grabbed a couple from the... Um, the library here, Go Ye Means Go Me by Ivan Stewart um, is one. And then, of course, I always use the truth for today's. And uh, if you've never read the Kaufman commentaries, um, that's another good set of commentaries to read. So a lot of just just kind of digging in, pulling things out, trying to make it where they meet. And oddly enough, when you start reading a lot about evangelism, there's a lot of commonality between all the books. So if you think about evangelism in general, there's two aspects of evangelism, right? So you have... Um, Christians, and you have the church. We're both outward-facing, we'll call it entities, um, to the lost, right? So um, as individuals, we live our lives outside, separate from the church, right? We go through our lives doing different things, and we interact with the lost. And then we have also, um, as a church, just think of all the activities in the community, uh, things that we do as a church here that we reach out into the community and do things with. So we have both of those entities, and then how can we, kind of what we're going to focus on this next six weeks is what can we do as, as an individual, what can we do as a church? So the first, well, I don't know how long 
I've, I've prepped my notes as much as I can. I got some other things to add towards the end of this. I'm up to around 11 pages. In a typical discussion class, 11 pages will carry me at least five weeks. So we'll see how, uh, how much discussion you guys give me. If we go through all seven today, we're going to be in a world of hurt by class two. But um, we're going to start off with more of the individual. What can we do as individual Christians to spread evangelism? And then we'll kind of wrap around towards the end of church. As a church, what could we do to do more evangelistic stuff? So with that said, uh, we're going to start off with the model in Dr. Norse books. Uh, he calls it the total evangelistic or total congregational evangelism model. Okay. Keep in mind, I heard this quote way back when, and it's stuck with me ever since. I love it. Um, it's from a British statistician named George Box. His quote is, all models are wrong, some are useful. Okay? So think about it from this perspective. We're going to use Dr. Norris' model. You may or may not agree with this model. That's okay. But there are parts and pieces of this model that will be useful for us in some form or fashion. So think of it from a statistician's perspective. They use math to model data to make predictions. Guarantee you 100% of the time those models do not work, right? But do they work enough to be useful? So that's the same thing with this. Is this model right enough times that we can use it to be useful in evangelism, okay? So with that said, his... I'm going to test your eyesight. Well, I'll talk about it here in just a second, though. If you can see, we have, he has seven concentric circles. So concentric circles that go down into a bullseye, okay? The outer rings, he calls them um, he, the items that plow the ground for more specific efforts at an evangelistic, um, that more of the evangelistic efforts happen kind of towards the center. So this outer, and we're going to talk May, most of these rings, we're not going to talk them in the order that he does it in the book. He starts from the outside and he works his way to the inside, which is uh, teaching. I'm actually doing the scriptural teaching. But the outer ring is, he calls it the public information. So it's how a congregation can use public information to gain the general good of the community. So how do we look to the community? Right? If someone said Eastside Church of Christ to someone else, what would that someone else, what would they say about Eastside? Oh, I've never heard of them. Oh, they're great. Oh, I've had horrible experiences with them. So what, what is our outward, um, not attitude, I'll think of the right word, but, but what's, our out, um, what's our reputation with the community around us? That's the word. Next one coming in would be Christian living. Christians conduct in every aspect, uh, Christianities or Christian conduct in every aspect of life is essential in the congregation's total evangelistic um, efforts. So how do we act as Christians? So for example, um, Amanda, um, told me a story. It happened at work. Someone sent an email out this Christmas that said, hey, our, uh, our church adopted a couple families. Here's the process if you want to get them some stuff. Um, go through this, that, and whatever. And there's a couple folks from her office that said, wow, I never knew that person even went to church. So <laughs> how hard would that be if you know, you start getting to a spiritual, you know, they start turning into some, some kind of spiritual conversation and they start talking about Christ. How, how um, if you were the lost, how um, maybe odd would that be to how much um, validity would you give that conversation? You know, so how do we act as Christians could reflect 
the way that we do some of our evangelistic efforts. Uh, third ring inside, uh, conversational evangelism. We're going to spend a lot of time on this because I love it. Um, conversational evangelism is getting every Christian to talk Christ in the church in conversations that, that we already have every day. Um, so as we walk through our lives and do things, how many of us speak to other people? Anyone? Anyone? Right? <laughs> I think we all do, right? So how do we sneak the spiritual aspects into our conversations in between sports talk, you know, kids talk, um, politics, you know, whatever it is that we talk about in a, given, uh, in a given day? How do we sneak in those little nuggets to see, just to kind of test the waters with this person? Do they want to talk deeper? Uh, what do they think about that? Then we go into ministry evangelism. So it's how, So the next ring in is how a congregation can devote their special attention to a local evangelism ministry. Um, so that's more of a, as people come in to our, to our church, how do, we, um, how do we get them involved into the different ministries that we have here um, to, uh, to outreach? Then we have friendship evangelism. It's kind of, to me, the way that I read this, this is kind of a follow-on to conversational evangelism. So you have those folks that um, we'll call more acquaintances. Maybe the person that checks us out in the grocery store. Um, you know, if you go to the same line every day or every whatever week, every however often you go to the grocery store, you're going to form, uh, we'll call it a, a bond with them, right? Kind of a conversation with them. Uh, Amanda and I do that at Walmart. We have our, I don't know what, three or four. First, that they're fast, which is awesome. But the second, you know, you kind of learn about the three or four different people that, you know, check out your groceries every week. And so we know a little bit about them. Um, we're not, I wouldn't say we're, you know, besties or anything like that. But, you know, you, you gain, definitely couldn't consider them acquaintances, right? Um, so um, how do you go from there all the way to friendship evangelism? So Friendship evangelism is a much deeper relationship, right, with the individuals. You know those individuals. You live with those individuals. You shared life with those individuals. How do you sneak um, Christ Christian talk or spiritual talk in with your friends as well? So that's, that's a, a tighter circle within this model. And then the center or not the center, the circle right outside the center is called teaching the gospel. So discussing wide range of teaching methods uh, to fit various situations of those whom we want to invest time in the gospel with. Right, so this is where I'm going to step away and not teach so much in the six weeks because I, uh, one of the Davids is going to be teaching that here in this next. I think he has. Uh, they have nine weeks to do that. So, but how do you how do you invest? How do you uh, share the gospel with a variety of people? Right, and you know. Um, I'm not saying anything surprising, but one size does not fit all, right? We all have various interests, various ways that we um, absorb information. So how do we adapt to those situations when we want to share the gospel? And then his bullseye center um, of his model is the conversion slash follow-up. So um, talks about the process of one uh, of a Christian, what they'll go through as they kind of step through those steps of salvation. And then once they go through those steps of salvation, then what do we do in the following weeks, months, years with those new Christians? You know, there's, there's a follow-up aspect. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that actually today when we get into the scriptures. So that was a super long introduction to class. So here's where the discussion starts. So what is your definition of evangelism? My definition would be just 
taking the word out. It's very broad. Evangelism to me is very broad. So a very broad definition, taking the word out to, to, to teach. I like that, David. What else? Telling others about Jesus. <laughs> Telling others about Jesus. Thank you, Stacey. I was about to say, come on, guys. We're all, <laughs> we all have a different definition. You'll know if you guys haven't sat through a class with me, um, you know, it, it's very hard to, to, to give me a wrong answer. Well, I, you know, given these circles that you just kind of went through in your introduction, uh, I, I think about this, this term that sounds like what they just said, but it's sharing the message, but that comes in the lots of forms and fashion. It's not just the verbal sharing the message. It's the sharing the message through service. It's the sharing the message through uh, example. It's it, you, you evangelize in all of those different ways, right? You share Jesus by sharing his love, by sharing his service, by sharing his message, by sharing all of that. So uh, I think all of that is included in evangelism. Yes. So summarize for the recording. Um, you share the message in a lot of different ways. You share the message through actions, through speech, uh, through acts of service, um, a lot of different ways, which is, you're right, it does kind of mimic Dr. Norse's model of his evangelistic um, effort. Anything else? Levi? Kind of a form of testifying, like you've seen God work in your life in different ways, and so evangelism is telling others about how you've seen that work happen and how your life has changed because of it. So a form of, I think, testimony. So it's a form of testimony talking about how Christ works within your life and how it's affected you. Um, yeah, I would totally agree with that. And the follow-on question, which we'll get to here in a little bit, is I'm going to say to you, what is the gospel? I guarantee you we have, I don't know what, rough guess, 15 to 20 of us in this room. I guarantee you we'd probably get 22 answers. <laughs> right? So what if you were given that task, and maybe that's sometimes some of the things that as Christians we kind of shy away from, or maybe we haven't f formulated our answer quite yet, is, you know, if someone asked you the elevator speech, does anyone know what that term means? If you get into an elevator, you have the time from the doors closed to the doors open to give the person next to you that speech. So it's usually anywhere from 30 seconds to two minutes, tops if it's a slow elevator. You know, 30 seconds to two minutes, what, what could you tell somebody about the gospel to keep them, to get them interested in wanting to continue that conversation? You know, have we, have we figured out our elevator speech yet of what the gospel is to us and what it means to us, right? And we, we struggle sometimes with well, how far back do I go? You know, do I go back to Adam and Eve and talk to him about Adam and Eve? Do I talk to him about temple worship? Do I talk to him about the Trinity? Do I, you know, how, how, how deep do you want to get in that pool to get their interest? And, and um, sometimes we struggle with that. So um, any other definitions? I feel like, like evangelism in the broadest sense of the term <clears throat> There's like Christianity as far as like my personal relationship with God, but evangelism is everything external. It's how I act, it's what I say, it's it's everything external from what I do. So you said like Christianity to you is, is your personal relationship with God, but evangelism is more how um, my actions to the outside, to the lost of what I do. And I'd say that maybe in that instance, maybe think about how they're connected because you're going to tell people about 
things that happen with your personal relationship with God, right? That, that might be the connection point to those that are lost. You know, in my life, I've experienced this with my personal relationship, and it has, you know, done whatever comforted me. I mean, I'm thankful for blessings, whatever, right? To get people but to think. If, if this isn't right, then this isn't effective. Very true. If my relationship with God is not right, then evangelism is going to be very ineffective. Well, I think that's the cautionary tale, though, right? I mean, it's <clears throat> the outer circle. Like I said, it's very broad. Right. I think I'm hearing a lot of how you evangelize, but what is evangelism is very broad, right? But we're not the only ones evangelizing, right? So you're right. If, I mean, think about those that are there that don't have it right, that are evangelizing as well. So <laughs> we call those televangelists. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying, so that, that's another thing to think about when you're. Well, it's the example of like the work example of the lady who sent the email that everybody was like, and what, what actually the conversation that happened after that. The person who said, I had no idea she went to church, he actually said, I would never give money to her church because I know how she how she is and how I work with her. He, and then wow. he pointed to me and he goes, but if you ask me for anything, I would give you a, every penny I own, whatever you need. But that was only based off of how I treat him at work and how she treats him at work. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's what, what Trader or somebody was saying, you know, how, how we act in our overall lives. Yeah is yeah, how our light shines. Absolutely. How, how bright does it shine? That's where our evangelism starts. Or that's what I think. I mean, I know it's disgusting. No, no, you're, I think you're all there. I think you're right. I mean, it's... It, it's a whole bunch of things that come together, and as Christians, we've got to be careful that we don't um, wait till we have the perfect, you know, structure, you know, set up before I evangelize, right? Because if that's the case, if everything's perfect, then why did Christ have to come and, and die for me, right? That's such a wonderful example. I bet we get on this example throughout this whole class because it's great. But there was an opportunity. I mean, this lady's like, maybe she should go give him some and say, hey, I'd like to know more about your church. And, yeah. how do you, and, and I mean, that was an opportunity to work on this person. That she's like, I can't believe it. Like, I'm church. <laughs> well, maybe there's an opportunity. I mean, you've got to look at everything, right? And yeah. that's an opportunity. And that person may just be a member of some church. They got a name off a tree. Right. And maybe somebody can encourage that person to, to, like you were saying, get this right. Yeah. Absolutely. So Absolutely. that's where it comes in. I mean, somebody better than me, I might could help. And somebody that's not as good as me can probably help me. Absolutely. So I'm just. And, you know, and how do I put this? The, the book I read, one of the books that I read, the excerpt was, um, don't take the negative view because there will be people out in the world that says, you know, all Christians are um, hypocrites, right? Don't take that as my excuse of why I'm not going to go and evangelize, right? Work on yourself. Work, be aware of what you do in life. Be aware of your actions, the way that you speak things, the way you talk, and use that as a catapult, right? Because when you have those conversations with those people, you can tell them, I'm not perfect. You know, that's why Christ had to come and die for me, because I'm not perfect. I sin every day, but I still have that redemptive um, uh, power, or he's given me that, that grace, and I have that redemption from that, from that action of death, burial, and resurrection, and that could be kind of a, a catapult. 
there's the passage in the Bible that most of you know very well, and it's really talking about one brother helping another brother who's stumbling, and it, it tells us not to try to remove the speck from our own brother's right. eye while we still have you know a log in our own. But that applies to this whole discussion that we're having as well. If we can't go out and share the message of Jesus Christ if we've got a log truck hanging out of our eye. You know? <laughs> <laughs> if we're just full of splinters all over quickly, no one's going to want anything to do with the Jesus that we're going to tell them about because they, they're going to look at him as being as prickly as we are. Absolutely. So can you imagine if somebody went to this individual and said, man, I didn't realize you no, went to I church. I'd, I'd love to help, and can we talk more? That might make that person go, how did they not realize I go to church? I wonder why I <laughs> That's true. Doesn't make them realize that. And they might be start looking at Go up to him and say, is it the, a church of Jesus or a church of Jesus? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, I, that would be an attention getter. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know this person. I'm just. <laughs> this is being recorded, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> All names have been left out. <laughs> on, so, you know, on, on the negative side of things, and, and also probably moving forward on David's stuff in the next series and a little bit on my series later on too, evangelism, when we think about drawing people to Christ aspect of evangelism, is not going out and trying to teach our doctrine and values immediately. It's actually sharing the hope of Jesus. Right. You know, we, we, we are, we Christians in general, a general, a generalization, okay? We want to go out and we just, you know, we want to, we want to lobby for legal changes and laws and we want everyone to adopt our values and view the world the same way we view the world before we get them to come to Christ and accept them, you know, him and, and hope in him and his salvation. We've, we've got to learn to share the love of Jesus before we start trying to teach doctrine. And so that's, that's something that the core of evangelism or, or the beginning of evangelism is not. So later on in my notes, we'll talk about this, but Dale and Sheila, um, when they were here, um, I, I think I've heard it from both, Sheila and Dale, actually. Um, but when they used to go do Bible studies, they would, um, Sheila would tell Dale, don't give them an eight-course meal when all they've asked for is an appetizer. Does that make sense? You know, very first, you know, go, don't give them the deep theological, you know, exhortation of the Bible because you're going to lose them. You know, give them, you know, meet them where they are, give them what they need. And you're absolutely right. You know, um, and the nice thing about Dr. North's model, what I, um, what I enjoy about that is the gradual progression of going deeper as you get into that circle, which is then a teach the teach um, aspect of it. So, Jeremy. Uh, Chris, for me, kind of in the same line as what everybody's been saying, for me, what evangelism is, is being different and then telling people why you're different. You know, uh, people will look at you and say, why, why are you different? You stand out, why do you stand out? You know, and you can tell them because of the love of Jesus working in my life, you know. Why do you do this? This is, this is odd because nobody else in the community does this or acts this way. Why are you different? And then explaining 
why you are different. Absolutely, yeah. And for the recording, yeah, Jeremy said is um, being different that will drive people to you to ask questions, and you can use those questions as the catapult of of you know I'm I'm different because Jesus working within my life and what that means to me. Absolutely. We've had you know discussions with that um, at work. We had um, there was another Christian who came into my office and we we're talking and he goes, "You going to a holiday party?" And I said, "We're going to a racetrack to gamble and to have an open bar for drinking." It's like, "Yeah, not my cup of tea." He's like, "Yeah." I know. <laughs> and so you know, um, so he knows that I don't do that stuff. And we've had conversations about that before. And so um, you know, I was able to you know, navigate that pretty easily. Levi. I was going to say, something else about evangelism is it's a conversation. It's not really about just telling people the answers. It's about inviting people into the discussion about Jesus, right? Because, I mean, we will never know everything about, you know, why this happened or, you know, have all of our, like you were saying, we're never going to have all our theology figured out. It's about inviting people into that, and or at least I feel like, and then uh, discussing with them and, and helping them, because we can't hold other people to uh, a standard that, that, like you were saying, that we have ourselves, but they don't have, and they've never conversed about. And so I think inviting people into that conversation and then discussing it with them together is, I think, a key part of evangelism. Absolutely. It's a discussion, is what Levi said. It's a discussion inviting people in to talk to you about Christ, to um, have that discussion. And to the, the, add on to that, I don't know if it's I'm getting older and I'm getting softer, but I can remember when we were younger, it the discussion was more of an argument. Um, a debate. A debate. I like that. Softer version of argument. It was a debate, you know, of, you know, is baptism essential was one, you know, why do we not dance is another, why do, I mean, pick a topic, right? And now that I'm older, I look back at that, you know, I, I think of, we lost, how do we put it? We lost the focus of what that, what we were trying to do. I think we were trying to fight other denominations and we completely forgot about the lost. And the lost are sitting on the sidelines going, this is an awesome fight. Who's going to win, right? You know, kind of like in school, what do they call it? The blood, one teacher called it the blood circle. You know, whenever two people always fought in school, what would happen? Well, there'd be a whole bunch of people circle around them as they started fighting, you know. And so that was kind of a spiritual version of that. You know, two people fighting in the middle, then all the lost are certain on the outside. You know, this is going to be an awesome bloodbath, right? But we completely lost the whole idea of evangelism in that aspect. Wanda. I feel we need to be aware of opportunities in such as in our relationship with others. For instance, like when we have them come in for the clothing room. Mm -hmm. But they're there, they also have other problems. And just being able to stand there and talk with them, well, how are you doing today? And, and letting things go and just feed on that and develop a relationship and then easily stop, well, have you heard? But not all at once, not the same. Develop a relationship, have that opportunity, listen. So for the recording, it was to develop a relationship. Don't do it all in one setting. Uh, spend the time to invest your time into their lives to listen to what their problems are, things that they're going through, and use that as a, um, as a guide to help 
um, steer the conversations towards Christ. And and one of the other things, talking about getting older and getting softer, I guess, and this might be just a misperception from my perspective being younger and not understanding what's going on, but it seemed like 30 years ago, it was a one and done. I want to come to you and say, you know, do you want Jesus to be your Savior? No? Okay, I'm done with you. Do you want to be Jesus to be your Savior? Nope, I'm done with you. You know, oh, hey, he does. I want to help him out, right? And you guys are dead to me. And never, you know, never to cross my, my threshold again. And and that's kind of a, it's, it's a means to an end. No one wants to be used as a means to an end. So there is this whole aspect of, Let's form those relationships. Let's have those conversations. Let's talk about life together. Let's share life. You know, I've noticed that, you know, you had a death in your family and you handled it a lot better than the way I'm feeling right now. You know, how, you know, how, what, what helped you through it, right? And then that's, door swung wide open <laughs> that aspect right let's talk about you know grieving and christianity and you know christians still grieve you know it rains on the uh, what's the matthew scripture it rains on the poor uh, not the poor just on the, the unjust right so uh, it happens to us all it takes a lot of patience it takes a lot of patience you may go months and years with somebody before you get them to that position yeah, absolutely. It takes a lot of time and effort and investment because you can go years before you get there. You're absolutely right. And think of and think of it from this perspective too. Um, people that you meet today, you don't know their history. You don't know how God has been working in their lives, right? I mean, it could be the first time they've ever talked about God. Very fair. But it also could be something that's been you know fermenting in the back of their mind for you know 20 years, and you're just another seed sower. Right, and you're throwing those seeds and, and watering it, and you might be the one that gets the growth. You know, obviously God provides the growth and the harvest, but you're the catalyst to help it happen, right? Um, very good, good point, Don. It has to be very intentional. It's an intentional way of living overall. We talk about intentional parenting a lot, like, you know, looking for every opportunity as a parent to, to use it as an opportunity to teach your children. Well, evangelism is the same way. It's living your life in an intentional way, always looking for opportunities to, to stop and, and say God's name and talk about God in prayer and all the different things to the people that you're around. But it takes time and, and patience and, and it your priorities have to be different because it's like at work, I could be busy and I got things to do and then you hear somebody say something, you're kind of in a conversation, you could just glaze over it and go back to work or you could stop what you're doing, intentionally get into that conversation and insert your little input about how God's worked in your life and then go back to work. And so it's, it's just, it takes that, I have to constantly be thinking about how can I do this? Where are my opportunities? So it's definitely the aspect of taking the time. The it's intentional. It's pausing, however busy I am in life, to take the time to have those conversations and constantly be thinking about how I can open up that next door or that next conversation with this individual. You're absolutely right in that perspective. I was going to say another, another key part of I feel like evangelism too is like it's not about having an agenda for the other person, right? It's about having an agenda for yourself. And so it's not about, like, I want to make you a Christian. It's like, I'm a Christian, and so I cannot help but, but speak this and talk about this. Because if we have the perspective of, like, I have an agenda for all of you, uh, no one's going to want to listen to that. Like, we're, you know, if I don't want to be feel like I'm being coerced into something, right? But if, but if it's just coming out of, like you were saying, being intentional about 
how you spend your time and how you love people, um, it, it becomes a lot, a lot different. You're right, and it's it's very intentional. And what you said, Levi, actually sparked another thought. Evangelism, you have to have a love for people. Does that make sense? If you don't have a love for people, then why would we go out and evangelize the lost? You know, if we're all baptized here, we're good, right? No matter if we touch another person, you know, save another person in life, eh, don't care. You know, I'm in, I'm in heaven. Sweet. But we're going to get to it here next week. You guys have been awesome. I love this discussion. Um, next week, we're going to dive into the Great Commission. The reason why we do it is because Jesus told us to do it, right? Yeah, and it's a command. I mean, I'm kind of an introvert. It's, kind of, it's you know, and what I think it's because we're told to go out to it. And now I try to look for the opportunities. You know, like for me, you know, a lot of times I'll, I might get in a conversation with somebody. Maybe it's the driver from the from the auto shop taking me to my house when my vehicle's getting so you know, and getting into some kind of little conversation. And I remember recently I was like, man. I, I said, that sounds like a tough life. I, I hope you have a good church family to help you. You know, that's mm-hmm. about as far as I can get sometimes. Like, man, that would take me a strong church family, and that's what I use a lot to help me get through that. You know, but I don't get into a lot of conversation. It seems to me, when we talk about evangelism, I end up, when we talk about how our light shines, but I seem to always end up drawn to other Christians. You know? Yeah. And it's like, well, how do I get drawn to those that need me more? Maybe I am, and I just don't see it, but... The conversations that I feel I get into that are more in depth are always, it seems like I run into another Christian, you know, somehow. I might not know right off, but, you know, like you said, after going to Walmart, going to the same checker for six months, then you find out, oh, okay, you go to Walmart, you know, and then it's a different conversation. But that's, it, it's, I think it's still hard for me to think about how do I get out of the bubble and try to. That comf- yeah. And that's hard, you know, being an introvert versus extrovert, right? And I think when I was younger, um, totally more extroverted. Um, you know, people like to go talk, have conversations, goof off, hang out, whatever. And as I get older, um, I find myself to be more introverted in some ways and extroverted in other ways. Would you? Amanda kind of agrees a little bit with that. I think we turned the opposite. I'm way more extroverted. That, that is very true. She was very introverted at the beginning of our marriage. Yeah, we have flopped a lot in a lot different ways. It only takes me one checkout to before I know where to go to church, if they go to South or high school. I used to joke with Amanda. I would have a 10-minute a conversation with somebody, and on the way home, she'd be like, did you ask him this? No. Did you ask him that? No. Did you ask him this? No. Well, what did you talk about? I'm like, uh. I've gotten to know their whole life story. <laughs> That's right. But you're right. So it, it's hard sometimes, you know, getting out of our comfort zone to have those conversations. But I can also um, kind of t- t- dovetail what you said, David. Um, I've been in meetings before, and I've always noticed, you know, this individual is always just a little bit different, you know, in a good way. And as you have those conversations, oh, you attend church up in Edmond. Oh, that's cool. You know, you know, you do that, you know. So we have, the, then we start having that connection and having those conversations. That's definitely, I saw a hand over yonder. I was just going to say, in regard to what David was saying, I think David was kind of pointing out we're we're talking about evangelism specifically. We're we're more focused on the idea of sharing the gospel with those who have not yet become Christians. I mean, that that's really the focus of what we're talking about. But in that process, doors are going to open where you are able to influence, and maybe it's one brief conversation. 
where you're able to make a difference in somebody's life who maybe they're already a Christian, but maybe they're struggling. Maybe they're like the person in Amanda's office and they haven't really made a real conversion or changes in their life and they're prickly, you know, or whatever. And, and as, as we work on being that example and looking for those open doors, sometimes those conversations happen with other Christians and it may just be, and it may be something we never see the fruits of, but we make a difference in their life and they become a better Christian and they're able to be an example and evangelize because of their contact with us. Absolutely. So, Levi. I was going to say, yeah, it's not necessarily about like our mission, right? It's about God's mission and the fact that we're a part of it, right? And so our, it, I feel like evangelism is our opportunity to take part in what God is doing in the world. And so when those opportunities and doors do open, it's, it's oh, look at God, what God's doing here. Or, oh, look what God's doing here, and I can take part of that rather than I got a goal. I got I to gotta go make Christians, you know. It's... it's uh, God's working kind of before and after and during, and we just get to take part in that. And one thing um, to add on to that is as humans, I think we have to measure things because I think it's just a human nature. How, how well did I do? Right. And I, we do this to our missionaries too. And, um, I feel sorry for our missionaries when we do this because what's the first question we ask them sometimes, how many baptisms did you have? And it's like, mm, that's not the right answer. The right answer is how many seeds have you sown? Right. God gives the growth not the missionary, right? And sometimes we do that same thing as we go out and do our individual evangelism, right? We say, you know, oh, I, I, I'm still working on this person, but, you know, I failed again. Oh, I failed again. Oh, I failed again. We're in it for the long term, guys. We're here until Jesus, either one comes back or we, you know, we become fertilizer. Um, you might not see results. I was at the years, you might not see the end. That's right. Your uh, uh, influence might be up for just a minute or two, and way down the line, somebody else will pick it up. Yep. That's why you said uh, you may never see the, the response to what you've done, you know, the, the result of your actions, and you're right. Um, you count the seeds in an apple, but you can't count how many apples come out of that seed. Absolutely. You can count the number of seeds in an apple, but you can't count the number of trees that those seeds make. Absolutely. And there's lots of lead over, too, as you're encouraged, David, because you don't know who else is watching and who else is listening. They're moving upstairs since they're doing the remodel in a bunch of cubicles, there's always somebody listening to your conversation, mm -hmm. and you just don't know who it is and whether that's going to influence them hearing you talk to somebody else, uh, you know. That that's I think is important is other people seeing how you interact with somebody and the thing they hear the things that you're saying could affect their lives as well. And the, you know that's absolutely a good point, Jeremy. Um, and for the recording, that was people you never know who's listening or watching and, and, and looking at you and what you're doing. So if you're doing good all the time, you're okay. But um, but you know.
doing with those gotcha moments in very similar situation myself. Someone came to me one day and said, your superpower, this is at work, is you're able to stay level-headed and be able to go into a conversation that's very heated and you're able to level it all out. I'm like, yeah. It's a lot, take a lot of a lot of practice, a lot of patience to do that, um, and a lot of God's grace for that to happen. So, um, you guys were awesome. Legitly, after my introduction, we've made it uh, that first bullet. So, <laughs> we're going to. Uh, I think the ten pages is going to be well enough for this class. Thank you guys so very much. Next week, if you're wanting to read ahead, we're going to get into the Great Commissions. Um, so we're going to talk about math, uh, Matthew's account, Mark's account, and there's actually two um, others in, in Luke and Acts. So we're going to just bring that all together and have some discussions about the Great Commission, and then move on from there. Thank you guys.